Today's staff is Peitet, 89. We pick up on the bottom of Peitet with Beth, last two lines, or five lines, whatever. We are dealing with a uh, issue. The Mishnah discussed that if a person is injured by a woman who's married woman, um, then he's just sort of in tough luck because, I mean, if he injures her, he has to pay. But if he's injured by her, uh, she doesn't have any money to pay with, so she owes him the money, but she'll have to pay him later. Um, so we're slowly building up to getting back to that. Uh, but it started by this discussion about a case of a mother who, before her death, uh, gave the gift of her property to her son in order so that her husband would not inherit her, her and then the money would be probably be divided amongst many sons, not all of whom were her sons. Um, and, um, and the question was whether she had a right to do that, whether that was a legitimate gift, um, because um, that was property, the Nechsemilo, property that she owned, but because she was married and although she had title to it, her husband had the right to benefit from it. I think this is in the fancy legal, legal language, it's called the right of usufruct, which is the right to benefit from the payroll, to get the sort of, uh, uh, to reap the benefits from it, even though you don't have the title to it. Um, and the question is, is so the, the woman has a king in Haguf, she has title, the husband has king in payroll, the right to the fruit, is his king up there, is king in Haguf dummy, is his right to benefit from it and to get the fruit and to get the sort of, you know, the profit from it, make him like an owner, even though he doesn't technically have title, in order to block the sale? That's the question. Can a husband block the wife's sale, the wife's gift of her property, of her nechsemilot? And the Gemara tries to bring a proof to this from a case, a similar case about a father and a son, that the uh, father gave property to a son or whatever. I don't, we won't have to worry about how that worked out, but the basic point was the son had uh, title to property that he had gotten from his father, and the father retained the right of the fruit, uh, the payroll. And um, can the son give it to somebody else? Um, it, and that was the discussion. If the son gave it to somebody and then the son died before the father died, would the sale still be binding? Because is the son able to actually transfer title, even though right now he does not have the right of the fruit? Can he actually fully transfer title right now? That was the question. And so Rabbi Yibar Abba said, yes, he can. That's the way we should read the particular mission that we have in the Basra. And therefore, that proves that the father's king and haperos is not Kikinian Haguf dummy. The father's right to the fruit is not like he has title, cannot block the son's sale. And in parallel, the husband's title to the Kikinian Haperot is not like a Kikinian Haguf and cannot block the wife's uh, gift to her son. Okay, so that was the proof. So let's pick up from, um, well, let's read, read a little bit, and let's pick up from Adrila Kamid Rev Yehuda, the last narrow line of Pechan with that. So they, they reported this from Yehuda because they knew that the woman actually is not allowed to, the gift that the woman made to her son was not binding. So they reported to Rev Yehuda what Rev Yehuda Bar Abba said. Amr Lehuda said back to them, Haki Amr Shmuel, here's what Shmuel said, Zoin Azomer Lemishasenu. No, our case of the wife trying to give property is not like the case of this Mishnah about the father and the son and the son trying to sell property that he has title to. My time, or what's the reason? I'm going to say, had the Mishnah about the father and the son been the reverse case, that the son gave property title to his father and the son retained the right for the fruit and then the father tried to transfer title. Then it would have been a good for a proof that if the person with title is able to transfer it and the person with the fruit can't block it, that's telling the person with the fruit is not like an owner, does not have the ability to block the sale. 
That would have been exactly like the case here by the wife. Um, but here, but the case there with the son, who has the title, who's transferring it, and the father has the fruit. Know that it's the son who now has the title and he's trying to transfer it. Maybe the reason the, the son is able to do it is maybe the general rule is that the person who has the fruit is considered an owner and can block the sale. But the reason in the father and son case the father can't block the sale is that the son will eventually get the fruit anyway. When the father dies, the son will get the fruit, and therefore the son is in a more empowered position, you know, to actually transfer it. So maybe the reason he can transfer title is because even his rights to the fruit are already there in potential, okay? And that's not really necessarily the same case with the wife and the husband. The wife and the husband, it depends who's going to die when or whatever, you know, etc., to whether the wife will ever regain her right to the fruit. Mm-hmm. But by the son, he will naturally gain the right to the fruit, and therefore, that puts him in a more empowered position. So maybe it's not a general proof that the person with the title can transfer and the person with the fruit cannot block. So the Gemara says, one minute. Amalei Abaye, Abaye said back to him, Atu, bra yaris abba, abba lo yaris bra, one minute, he said. It wouldn't have mattered which way we were talking about, whether the father wrote it to the son or the son wrote it to the father. Because either way, you know, even if it's the son writing to the father, it's possible that the father will inherit from the son. Now, don't worry about that too much. The real point is the next point. He says, Ella, what would be the reason a son would write over his property to his father? I mean, you know, if even if he doesn't have to gift his property to his father, if he dies and he doesn't have any kids, then his father will inherit it. Okay? So what's the reason he is writing it to his father? It must be, La He's actually, no, because he actually has kids. And he doesn't want his kids to inherit him. He wants the property to go to his father. Okay, so that's all a lead-up to make this next point. And here's really the next point. What's the reason the father is gifting the property to his son? His son is going to inherit him anyway. And if he's gifting the property but holding on to the fruit, the son gets no benefit right now if he just transfers title and the father holds, holds on to the fruit. What good does it do the son? He's getting no benefit now. And eventually, he'll get the benefit when the father dies, but he's going to inherit his father anyway when the father dies, right? So what good does it do the son to have the title now if the benefit will only come when the father dies? So that is a good. The good is if there are other sons, right? So else, and that's the key point. So hachanami, so here too, um, the reason the father is transferring title to the son, even though the son doesn't get any benefit yet, is to prevent the, 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 the brothers, his other sons, from getting this piece of property. So, therefore what? Therefore, he says, you can't say the reason the son is in a more empowered position, that you can't say the son is in a more empowered position here than the wife, because he's anyway going to inherit his father. Because Abai says, what's the scenario? The scenario that a father is doing this is that there are brothers, and he wants to keep the property away from the brothers. So the son is not going to inherit, would not naturally inherit this whole property anyway. He'd inherit a piece of it, right? But he wouldn't inherit all of it. So you can't say that his eventual, eventually he's going to get the fruit anyway, and that gives him a stronger position. Because without this special arrangement, he would not get the fruit. He would not get all the fruit. He'd only get a part of it. And nevertheless, he's able to fully transfer title. So if the son can fully transfer title, even though the father holds on to the payroll, and even though he would not naturally have gotten all the payrolls, then the wife should also be able to transfer title. So we're back to our argument. So the Gemara says, What's the reason the case of the wife is not similar to the case of the father and the son? 
Rishon to Kodesh Kedusha. You're right. In principle, it is the same. And in principle, if we rule like Rish Lakish, which we do, the Kenyan affairs are not like a Kenyan Aguf. The one who has rights to the fruit is not like an owner. But the one with the title should be able to transfer title, even if the other person has the fruit. You're 100% right, in principle. But there's a special Takana uh, in Usha, which was one of the places where the Sanhedrin moved after Karabiyatna, whatever, there's a special Takana that they actually gave the husband more rights than a person in this arrangement would normally have. And the husband actually is able to block the wife's sale. Okay? The other Abdiosik are Chaninam, Usha, Hitkino, and Usha they established. Exactly this discussion. A woman who's trying to sell the title to her property while her husband is alive, even though she has the title, the husband has the right to the fruit, who makes her if she dies, Okay, now what would normally happen if she died and hadn't sold the title? The husband would inherit her. But now she has transferred the title. And Nusha, they said, tough luck that she transferred the title. The husband is still going to inherit her. The husband will get that from the people she purchased it from. The sale will not go through. The husband basically can block the sale. He probably would have to give the money back, of course. But, uh, but, but, but particularly in the case of a gift, right? Like here, the, the, the mother tried to gift it to her son, to keep it away from her husband and from her husband's other sons, okay? And that does not work. When she dies, her husband still inherits her. The husband effectively blocks the sale. Yes? What's the chronology between that Tachana and the dispute between Shmuel and uh, Rabbi Yerbi? I was going to ask the same So, no, Usha is early. Usha is... Mishnah. Yeah, exactly. So they heard a note about the... So how do they not know it? Yeah, that's a good question. But Rabbi Yosef Reb Hanina, again, I don't know exactly his date. But, um, but, you know, that's like a question. That's his, like, you're right. Like, I mean, I was wondering that. Like, that's his claim of what they were talking during Usha. Did anybody agree to that? I mean, Shmuel, presumably, that was Shmuel's tradition. Yeah. Presumably, Rabbi did not have that tradition. You're right. So, you know, um, it wasn't like, you know, they had to check the congressional record. It was like, <laughs> some people had this tradition that that was the cause, which presumably he did not. Presumably, Shmuel would have lived like a century after the, uh, the yeah. But in English night times, it already left Lucia and moved to Sephora, where Rabbi... Right, 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 right. The question is of Yosef Rebchania, what generation he is, which I don't know. Um, I can try to see. I'm not good generally in terms of the exact dates. You will never make it a JTS. I know. <laughs> I have to tell you, I was once at, like... It was just such a fun story. Anyway, Jewish Amora saves second generation of Amorayim. So... The second generation, so I mean, that'd be after Ra, that would be like after, after yeah. or around the time of Shmuel. Um, oh, the end of the second generation. Oh, wow. Rabbi Yochanan, he was his, uh, what's his, what's his, what's his So that actually, so Shmuel, so you know, it's quite, it's interesting. Shmuel says it's not similar to Shmuel also knows it's kind of Jewish but anyway, this idea of the kind of Jewish was only said explicitly, right? I mean, you know, you know, after Shmuel had said it's a rule. So it's, you know, clearly not everybody has this tradition. There's no reason for the Takana that's given? Well, the basic reason is sort of like an Ava type of a Takana, the same reason they instituted, I mean, there's a general question about why they instituted that, about their husband inheriting his wife. Is that, the, is that biblical or rabbinic? 
Um, so, um, but you know, I mean, Chazal sort of set up in Ksuvas the whole sort of set of arrangements, right? Here are the husband's responsibilities, here are the rights he has to his wife's property or his wife's earnings or so on. So presumably, you know, it's like uh, they felt it was needed to create that sort of balance in those types of financial arrangements, you know. Um, but, um, you know, obviously, because otherwise a woman could also always, I could say, not bad, but, you know, reality would be a woman can always, you know, sort of, prevent your husband from taking the property, right? Make some type of, essentially write it into a trust, make some type of an arrangement to write both of the way, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, um, so anyway, so that's what they did. Um, now, eventually, we are going to get back to our mission. We also thought similarly, that a woman cannot gift away or sell away the title to her property, to, you know, that the nichfimilo. There's a bright that witnesses come and say, we testify that Ruling divorced his wife, Sora here, and Nelson Ksuvaf and paid her Ksuva. Now, these are going to be found out to be false witnesses. Okay. It looks like he's living together with him. It looks like they're still married. We're telling you that's not true. She's divorced and she received her Ksuva. So what are they? And they're, and they're going to be lying. They mean Susan. They're found out to be lying. So you have to do to them what they were trying to do to the other person. Now, who were they trying to hurt? Well, I mean, if the guy was a Cohen, you could say he tried to hurt him, but he can't be married his wife, but that's not the point, okay? The point is that they're basically trying to hurt her. They're trying to make it that she will, there will be testimony that she received her ksuva, so she'll never be able to collect her ksuva <coughs> after that, okay? Now, um, in Omen, now how much do they owe her? So what would she have collected with her ksuva? She would have collected the 200, you know, zuz, which is the face value of the ksuva, that she would also would have taken back any of her nichsets on Barzell, the dowry she would have brought into the property, she would have taken out, and the husband would have lost his right to the payroll of the property she already had the title to. Okay? So, they don't take it now. We pay the whole ksuva, pay the 200 zoos, plus the nichsets love, you know, plus, I guess, the right of the payroll. You don't say to that. Why? Because right now, it's not like she has that money in her pocket right now. Right now that she's married, Right? She might not ever collect her ksuva. A, she doesn't have the right to that money right now. B, she might die first and never collect the ksuva. So how much is her ksuva worth? They were trying to make it that she could never collect her ksuva. So they were trying to rob her from her rights to her ksuva. What is the val- current value of her ksuva? Ella, I know me, Nishamuko ksuvasa, pays all ksuva. Ella, Tobas, Hana, Hana ksuvasa. The benefit of the value of her ksuva, which means the market value of a ksuva. It's not its full face value, mm-hmm. but what would have been the value that she could have sold it for on the market? Somebody would have paid for it as a gamble, right? It's sort of like, you know, buying life insurance or whatever it is, right? As a gamble, well, I guess if you buy life insurance, eventually you collect the question is when. But, you know, it's a gamble. Is she going to die first? Is he going to die first? And so on. How much would a ksuva with a face value of $10,000 go for in the market? Okay? Now, um, how do you determine its, its, its value? Omdim, you estimate, or you assess, is really a better word. Come other roads of the thing, the ksuvasa shows How much is a person willing to pay to buy this ksuva right now? On the risk, or on the, you know, chance, he needs arm alone, he's garsh. If he dies first or divorces her, he'll collect it. The mesa, but on the flip side, if she dies, you're Shanabala, he won't collect it, and the husband will inherit. And that's how you determine what its face value is, and that's what they were trying to rob her of. <coughs> now, how does this prove that there's such a thing like the Kanaskusha 
but it will prevent the woman from transferring the title. Gemara says simply, if you don't believe that there's such a thing as Tzakana you believe that a woman can sell title to her property, so Amayir Shenabala, so why is, do we say, well, you know, she can't collect the full value because she might die, her husband might, might, you know, might, uh, what do you call it, um, you know, might inherit from her. Let her fully sell her ksuva, at least the meaning there's one piece of the ksuva that is actually worth its full face value or close to its full face value, and that is her nifsemilov. She has title to 100 acres, okay, that the husband is eating the payload. Now, whatever happens, um, she will, like, whether she dies first or he dies first, or he divorces her, whatever, she could, if she could sell that title, so the husband will never inherit it, okay? So why do we say, make it sound like her whole suva is at risk, whether somebody will get the whole value in the future or zero? There's a piece of it that somebody could definitely get. What would that piece of it be that somebody would definitely get? The title to the nixemilov, which would then, and then he would definitely get the payroads once the husband died. It wouldn't matter who died first, okay? So, are you all sort of with me here? Okay, so therefore, even though that's not the full value of 100 acres, because you don't have the right to the payroll right now, you're only going to get the right to the payroll when the husband dies, it's not the same as it's all at risk. Okay, you can de- it has a definite, you know, you can definitely uh, a, transfer that value up fully right now, and uh, with the, with, and even it's not at risk, but with the future getting of the payroll, you're just not sure when you're going to get the payroll. So why does it make it sound like the entire value of the ksuva is at risk? So it must be that there's kazusha, and there's no part of the ksuva that she can sell right now. There's no part that she will definitely get, you know, regardless of who dies first. Okay, so Tavim Suvafel Gamre. So Amar Abaye, no. Im Amar Benichse Milog, Yom Benichse Tzon Parzel. So by this, who says we're talking about the Benichse Milog? Maybe you're right. Maybe the Benichse Milog is the part that actually, you know, uh, um, she definitely will get because she can actually can't sell it right now, regardless of who dies first. Okay, maybe there isn't Takana Susha. But when the Brayta made it sound like the Eating Zomimim. Um, like, oh, you know, like we're trying to assess what they made her lose, and that it's possible that the whole suva was at risk, that's talking about the base 200 plus the nifte tsongbarza, plus the dowry. Because that stuff is fully, the title is in the husband's name. Okay, the husband totally took, he never paid the 200, so obviously it's under his title. And he totally took title of the dowry. So that's the stuff that, if she dies first, you know, She's not going to collect any. If she dies first and divorces her, she'll collect in full. That's the amount that's totally at risk. Is this clear? Sorry. Do you want to draw this Now that I have a board, I can use the board. Here's the husband. Here's his wife. Okay? <laughs> so she brings <laughs> into that property. Okay? <laughs> Dowry. This is Miss State Sun Barcel. This is what we say. I love that term. Dowry? No, iron sheet. Iron sheet. Because she's going to take it all back out and you don't what happens to it. Okay, this is this is what we write in this suva. We assess what's the value. And we say it's my time to put in the test of service. 
Actually, we don't. We say tomatoes will contribute to our plus the extra hundred of the Tosefet. Okay, so we determine how much money does she give him in dowry. That goes over, and he now has title to it. Okay? And he has title. Okay? So that's the Tzon Barzel. Okay? That, but, if he dies first, or divorces her, she takes that full value out. There's also the 200, which is the base amount, which he has title to, which he never paid her to begin with. Okay? And then, there is there is the here her property in Mirsenilog, which she has title to, but he gets the fruit. Well the little fruit. There's my fruit. Okay. So he gets the fruit, okay, but he keeps title to that. Alright? Where does the Tosephet appear? Uh the Tosephet is like is also money that he promised her that he never played paid. So he plus Tosephet. Okay? So, here, basically, all of this, if they try to rob her of her ksuba, they're going to prevent her by saying she was divorced and she collected it, which she didn't. They're going to prevent her from collecting all of this and from regaining the fruit. Okay? Yeah, we'll just draw the fruit over here. Okay? Okay? Okay. They're going to prevent her from getting all of that. How much do you assess how much this is worth? Well, she might never get any of that. So how much would a person pay in the market to get the risk of collecting all of this, depending on who dies first, or depending on who gets divorced? Okay? So that's what it says. So the mother said, ah, but one minute. But they were also trying to rob her of the nichsemi load. And that actually, you know, if, it, if, we, if, if, if there is Takanasusha, so that also something she might never, that she has never, she has no direct value of right now at all, right? But if there is a Takanasusha, then they really were robbing her of it because they robbed her of the ability to sell this right now and to get value for it, okay? Even though it would not have been its full value because she didn't have the right to fruit, but if there was no such thing as the Kanazusha, these lying Aiden basically have basically now prevented her from, you know, from, uh, from, from, from selling that. So the Gemara's answer is, no, we're not talking about this thing, we're talking about all this stuff, okay? And this is the stuff that, that is at risk. And this is the stuff that we have to assess how much would a person pay. So you really can't see from here whether there is the Kanazbusha or not the Kanazbusha. Well, okay. someone gained by all of this? Then they, um, they might be gained by, by the husband. Okay. <laughs> or they just dominate her. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. So the Gemara says like this. I mean, I don't fully get the whole... But, well, but I'm not going to So the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Um, okay. I'm going to buy Set up Tovah Hanav, this discussion of the Tovah Hanav, the how much you, you pay that's not the face value, but for the, uh, you know, for the possible benefit, uh, for, for, for taking the gamble. So, hold us the other name of a milsa. Since we're discussing it, let's say something about it. Tovah Hanav, okay, that if the woman actually, now that the Asian Zomim are basically, who do they pay? So, they pay the wife. Meaning, because, yeah, because that was her, because that's her benefit in the Ksuva, is until the Tanah. That seems a pretty obvious point. Of course it's for Isha. It's the wife's, ben, you know, dollar value of the Ksuva that she has rights to. Um, so the Isha Havya. Um, the Isha Kedaitich, Lebal Havya, if you would, um, if you would think that the husband would get it, Lemulah Aiden, the Aiden could say to the husband, Maya Sedinach. So what did we make you lose? You're not the one that lost out anything by us claiming that she was collected the whole thing. He offers Mizabus was over Sana. Baal, I'm sorry, I said it, I read it wrong. Let the Aiden say, let me start this one more time. 
let, I, I, this, this is not starting about the Adam, it's starting about in general. If a wife were to sell, a wife can't sell, we just discussed, this actual mixing in law, because the husband has rights to the food. She obviously can't sell this stuff, this is all in her husband's title. But let's say what she wants to do is she wants to actually sell her ksuva, right? The wife actually wants to, like, selling your life insurance policy. The wife actually, not because of the agent. Sometimes she needs cash, her husband isn't giving her any money, whatever it is. So she actually sells somebody her ksuva, and that person is exactly what we discussed. It pays however much it's worth him to take the gamble of collecting all of this. So he says, if the wife sells the ksuva for the Torah Sanara, she gets to pocket it. Now that seems pretty obvious. Of course, it's her rights that she's selling. Okay, so let's just spell it out. Um, uh, the obvious. She would sell her ksuva, and the, she'd have to give that money to her husband. Okay, because maybe you think, you know, Masha Kana Isha Kanabala, so even the money she gets for selling her ksuva, she would have to give to her husband. If you were to think such a thing, the why can't the Aidim say to this woman, my Shadina, so what were we trying to rob you of your ksuva? What did we what what did we make you lose right now? Right now you have no value from it. Even had you sold it and got and gotten the, the the value of the ksuba that somebody would have paid, your husband would have taken it from you. So you see that uh, that that I mean this is a standard reason, but since you generally say that money a woman earns to her husband, but just found out that doesn't apply if she sells her ksuba. The ksuba is the one thing that she has rights to. So if she sells her ksuba, that would be money she would pocket, and therefore when the rating were trying to rob her of her ksuba, they pay her. Okay, moving on. We still have not Amarav Shaman Mishum Diika Rav Rachbeisa. Rav Shaman says not necessarily. Maybe the husband would have pocketed the money if she would have sold her ksuva. But what? The, but nevertheless, you know, if you put the money in a joint bank account, it's not really a joint bank account, his bank account, but you sold your ksuva and now you gave more money into the to your husband. So now the husband's got some more better cash flow, more money around, so more money is spent in the household. So there's still an indirect way in which she benefits, even if the money would have transferred to the husband. So you can't totally prove that she would have pocketed that money. Uh, of course, it still sounds like it, because that still would not be, the amount that she would have indirectly benefited would have been less than the total thing that she would have actually, than, it's, than, than it was sold for. You know, so it really does sound like she would be the one that would pocket it. And that's what you would assume. The ksuva is the one thing that she has rights to that her husband doesn't, you know, that's, it's really her right. Anyway, the mark continues. He says the logical thing, like Abai was saying, no, if a woman sells her ksuva, she gets to pocket the money. Now, not only that, she sold her ksuva, you know, for, for this whole rip here, you know, the face value was $10,000, but what you were willing to pay, A, was only going to be in the future you would collect, B, there was a risk, so you will pay $3,000 for it, okay? So she takes that $3,000, she pockets it. That's, what, that's point number one. Um, this is not money that then goes to her husband. Now, qu- point number two is, ah, but maybe we should say, what's the general halacha about property that a woman has that she has title to? That's the next thing you love. So this $3,000 is her property. She has title to it. She doesn't transfer it to her husband. But let's say, fine, but at least take that money, buy property, and have the husband get the fruit. Because that's what you do with general property that a woman has, you know, title to. Right? Or take the money, put it in some, you know, in some bonds and let the husband get the interest. Fine, you're right. She sold her ksuva, this part of the ksuva, she got 3,000 bucks for it. That 3,000 bucks she keeps, her husband doesn't get it. Okay, so that means it's a type of a nifsemi loan. Property she has title to. The husband doesn't take title, but he should still get the payrolls. 
Everybody understand the question? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but that money came after she got Right. So that's what the Gemara is going to say. Okay. So the Gemara says, so the Elisha has the aim of Alokhavers, and the husband does not get any benefit off of that money. If she puts it in some interest-bearing account, she, does, she keeps the interest, not the husband. My timer, what's the reason? The rabbis gave the husband the fruit that came from, like, her property. Not the fruit of the fruit, which basically is, this double is something that she got, it's like a double derivative. It's a derivative benefit she got from the ksuva, and this is a derivative of the derivative that he doesn't have. Okay? Now, by the way, it's not true. There are some types of fruit of fruit the person does get. Let's say she brings, you know, um, sheep into the uh, marriage. And then the sheep have babies, and the babies have babies, and the babies have babies. That's how husband does get. That's like a, you know, let's say like in your nap, in, you know, in your, uh, in whatever, if you do have some uh, interest-bearing account, they reinvest the interest, right? So that's the type of a natural fruit of fruit that the husband does get. But this type of a thing, where the whole thing was like an unexpected, I don't call it a windfall here, but something that's not the natural produce, you know, outcome of this property is that he would sell it for the Tobas Hanah, right, that type of a fruit, an unexpected fruit, he doesn't get the second degree benefit from that. Okay, let's get back to this question of the Kronos and see why we're discussing it all together. The other Papa Rav, who the Rav Yosho, when Rav Papa and Rav Huna, the Rav Yosho came, the Bey Rav, from the House of Rav, Amri, Tanino, with the Kronos Usha. You know, you could see that clearly this question of whether there was such a Sakana was in question. Because A, Revier, Yabarabah didn't know. And the second of all, which I am so hard to prove it. Okay, so he says, we actually can have a Mishnah that proves Sakana's Usha. Our Mishnah. We're finally going to get back to our Mishnah. A woman and a slave encountering them is bad, bad business. That meaning certainly encountering them in some type of a uh, of a uh, physical like you know like a causing injury. If you cause injury to them, you have to pay. But if they injured other people, they're exempt. Now it doesn't mean they're exempt. It means that they don't pay now. They'll only pay if the slave is freed or the woman is divorced, and they get their own money. Which means the woman, when she's married, is considered to have no money of her own. Okay, so he says, why does she have no money of her own? She's got something she can sell. You know what she can sell? Let her sell her Nisimilog, transfer the title. Again, somebody's not going to pay the full value because he doesn't get the fruit just yet. But that, let her sell that and use that to pay for the Chavala. So why does it make it sound like there's absolutely no way, under normal circumstances, that a woman has any, can get any cash on hand? So the Gemara says, so this is why we had this whole discussion. If you don't believe that there's such a thing as Tukhanas Yerushad, let her sell the Nisimilog. To keep them lay and use that to pay off the guy that she injured. So clearly, it must be there's no way she can sell her nichsemilov. So that seems to be a good, pretty good proof. But the word says one minute. According to your reasoning, he not me the isol to kanas uisha. Fine, you're at the kanas uisha. Lo mati mas belugamre. If he can't sell her nichsemilov, tells me nichsemilov betovas hanah. But he didn't lay. There's still some way she can get money. How does she get money? She can fine. She can't transfer title. But you know what you can still do. I can sell you, again, like the Tova Sana, the risk. I can basically sell you, Charlie, here you are, I'm going to sell you. You're not going to get title right now of this because I'm not allowed to. But if my husband dies first or divorces me, I will get back my Nifte Milov and I'll get all of this stuff. Let's not forget all of this stuff. Okay? <coughs> and I can actually get some cash on hand right now. How we just got through discussing Tova Sana. 
I can sell you the future rights that you will get to, to that you know that I'll get in my ksuba, even though I have no nothing right now. But if my husband dies first, he divorces me. I'll get all of this and my next thing you love back, and you can you would pay me money to have the right to get that, you know, at that future time. That's a possibility. So why am I not forced to sell all of that and use that money to pay for the guy I injured? So the Gemara says. Uh, uh, and a man cannot stay with his wife even for one minute without a ksuva. So if I am selling my ksuva to somebody else, I no longer have rights to my ksuva. If my husband divorces me, I don't collect. So a mayor would say, then you're not allowed to stay married to your husband. You can't stay married without having, with, without your, without having your ksuta. So the says, one minute. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Um, the time says, one minute. Why does Rebbe Mayor say that you can't, a man can't be married to his wife without a ksuta? Because he says, without a ksuta, it'll be too easy to divorce the wife. There'll be no financial consequence on his account. Remember, he could unilaterally divorce the wife. One day he gets upset with her. He just writes her again and throws it at her. You know, it doesn't cost him any cash. So if he has to pay out a ksuva, he's going to slow down. Okay, so therefore, that's why it's forbidden, because we want to make sure that, that, that the husband does not too easily divorce his wife. So the Gemara says, if that's the only reason, it doesn't matter who he's paying the money to. I sold my ksuva to Charlie here. My husband's not going to easily divorce me, because he won't have to pay me the money, but he'll have to pay Charlie the money. So why should that, why should I not be able to sell my ksuva to Charlie? Okay, so the Gemara says, "Hachalamati Megarishla." Here, Lomagarishla, he's not going to divorce her easily. The Megarishla, Asuhanet Zavni, Gavul Aluksuvas. If he divorces her, those that purchased it will come and collect the Ksuva Minay. Okay, Ella. So we still haven't explained why the woman can't sell her Ksuva and use that money to pay the person she injured. You're telling me, oh, she can't sell Nixani Log because this proves the kind of Susha. Forget all of that. Why can't she pay the guy she injured by selling off her ksuva for its potential future value? One minute, so the Gemara says, Ella, Tova Tana Here's why she can't sell, sell the Tova Tana, the potential future. Because that's only a abstract thing. That's only a right. It's not a real ownership of property. It's only a future right. And things that are abstract rights, the person she injured does not have a lean on, does not have the ability to demand that she sells rights. You know, he can collect property, but this is just right. So the man says, what does that make sense? Why not? It's words, meaning it's abstract rights, but that are sold for card cash. You know, it's something she has a value. Who cares if conceptually it's abstract? Something she has a value. She injured this guy. She should be forced to sell whatever she has a value to pay this guy. So the man says, Fine. Here's why. We can't tell her you have to sell your ksuva to pay the guy you injure. That's what Shmuel says. So I'm a Shmuel. If you sell a a a a a, a, a debt to somebody, or not a debt, what to call it? It is a debt, but your money you're owed. You have a document that somebody owes you money. Okay. So. Um, so, you, um, so, you know, David, you owe me a thousand dollars. And I'm going to now sell it to Charlie for five hundred. Because he's not sure he can actually get you to pay. It's time, whatever. He's not going to pay full face. I'm just like this case. Which is essentially the woman and the husband. Right? It's money he owes her under certain circumstances. She's going to sell it that somebody might be able to collect in the future. 
Okay? It's a debt back. Now, um, Charlie is going to come to David to collect. Okay? But I'm going to say to David, David, just pay me $500 and I'll be mocho the $1,000 debt. Okay? And I'm actually able to do that. Now, that sounds crazy, because I, nobody would be stupid enough to actually buy this document, because I can always just be mochel it. And Tosis deals with that. But the logic of it is, the mechanism is that the Gemara had a very hard time sort of, under, you know, not understanding, but sort of dealing with the reality. How do you transfer a debt? Okay? Because if you understand the debt is somewhat personal, so, so you know, David owes me the money, how can now he owe Charlie the money? What magic made that happen? Okay, so one way of understanding it is that he never owed Charlie the money. I gave Charlie the right to collect the money that was owed to me, but it's still owed to me. He's just now the person who has the right for it to be transferred into his bank account, essentially. Okay, so like there's an automatic direct deposit thing going on. But ultimately, that's a personal thing between David and me, he owes the money. That's one way of understanding it. Okay, now, you know, why we have to understand it that way, or here's another way of understanding it. Even if I sold him something, let's say I had liens on David's property, and I sold him those liens, but those liens only made sense because they were a collection of a debt. The debt still remains personal. So even though he has those liens, as soon as I waive the debt, the liens automatically disappear. So because of the personal nature of the debt, and it's not purely just the financial, even once I sell it, it's still money that's personally owed to me, and therefore I can be, um, be mochelet. Now, the, there is a discussion that sort of Dini de Garmi, if you remember that, going back to the first half of Guapacama, that if you cause types of indirect losses and injuries, you have to compensate. But if I actually did that, Charlie could go ahead and sue me for causing him a loss. Okay, for, but, but nevertheless, in principle, I could be mochel that. Okay, so that's true. Since Shmuel says that, see Yorish mochel. Not only can the person who was originally owed the money to be mochel, even if he dies, and now the money is only owed to his heir, because then you think it's less personal now. The heir could also be Mochel, and the, per- and the guy who bought the debt would be out the money. So if that's true, so why now can you, I'm, I'm now back to being the wife, okay? Why can I, the wife, not be told that, look, you've got to sell your, you know, sell your stuff to Charlie there and use that money to pay, you know, to pay Frank, who you injured. The reason is the following. The reason I can't be forced to sell my sugar to pay somebody else is because why? Is because then what am I going to do? I'm going to sell my sell my ksufa, pay Frank, and then I'm going to turn around and be mochel to my husband, like money. Since I'm, I'm no longer a beneficiary of the ksufa, I'm going to be mochel, and Charlie's going to be out. So the merchant says that's Charlie's problem. Like that's a risk Charlie is taking. You should still be have to do it to raise the cash to pay the person you injured. If, if there's a possibility that you'll be mochel and Charlie will be out, let Charlie factor that into the price. You know, but that's Charlie's issue. So the Gemara says, Amri, it's up, and so what? Let her sell it. The Tipein lay, pay the person she injured. The Imachlo lay, Legabi Baal, Timchula. And if she's Mochel, now the money owed her, if she's Mochel, her husband, the money owed, so she's not going to collect anymore, then let her do it. And that'll be uh, Charlie's problem. And Charlie will factor that into the, to the price, you know? But that doesn't explain. There still is, even with all these halachas, there still is a market for Ksuvas right now. So let her sell her soup and use the money to pay the guy she injured. You still haven't answered the question yet, Charlie. So, so two things. One is back to the uh, the issue of making it difficult to enforce. That will seem to not apply once uh, Rabbi Gershom said you can't get divorced without your permission. Um, that is true. The idea that a uh, person can't remain without a ksuva 
the Ramad says once it's Kakanas Rabbeinu Gerisha, uh, might not have the same impact that it used to have. That is correct. Second thing is this thing about uh, the seller of a debt can still forgive the debt. That will wipe out all the securitization debt. I understand. And I'll read the Tosos in a minute. I mean, okay. It's, it's crazy. Now, there might have been a way to do it through Mama Shlushkan. There might be ways to do it that, to, to actually make it a full transfer. Uh-huh. Okay, but yes, this halacha is, right, it, 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 it should make this market, it should destroy the market. Anyway, the noise is like this. Okay, so the Mordecai says, so anyway, sell it, and let that be Charlie's problem. Mordecai says, no, 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 no. Because here, it's not, she will definitely be Mochel. She's still married to her husband. She had to sell it in order to pay this guy she injured. So, of course now, she's not going to want her husband to have to pay the Ksuva to Charlie. So, she's, of course, going to be Mochel in. So, that's the husband, right? I mean, it's her husband now. She cares more for her husband than she has to So, of course, she's going she's gonna to be Mochel to her husband. <laughs> okay, and we're not going to actively, as a court, say to her, in order to pay Frank, you have to sell your ksuva to Charlie. If we know that we're giving Charlie a raw deal, we know what's going to happen if she's going to be Mochelet. So there's no way we would demand that. We'll say she'll pay Frank when she gets divorced. We're not going to make her pay Frank now in a way to hurt somebody else. Okay? The Chidema, Zina, ah, wait, we got a solution. Zina, let us assess the value of the ksuva. And sell the ksuva not to Charlie. Sell the ksuva to Frank. So think about it. I, you know, I injured Frank for a hundred dollars. Let's assume the total of my ksuva happens magically to be worth exactly a hundred dollars. So I sell, I say, here we are. I will now give you my ksuva rights. Okay? I say that to Frank. You're paid off for the money I owe you. What could happen? I could turn around and be mochel to my husband. Okay? And in that case, it turns out that I, that I didn't give him anything. It turns out I didn't pay him. Oh, in that case, after I get divorced, I'm going to have to pay him anyway. So it's like, either way, Frank is going to get his money. I give him right now my super rights worth $100. If I'm not mochelet to my husband, okay, and then he's been paid up. If I am mochelet to my husband, and it turns out I voided the whole thing that I, you know, became worthless when I gave him, then I still have to full pay him $100 when I, when I get divorced. So why not do that? Why not have her transfer her super rights to the person she injured? Okay, and that way he'll be, he might be paid now, and if it turns out she's mochel and, it, and he wasn't paid now, he'll at least be able to get paid later. You got this case? Yeah? Okay, so the Gemara says no. The Imachla Lagabi Baal, because in that case, if he gave the Ksuva rights to the person she injured, if he is then mochel the debt to her husband, and makes those rights worthless, lo kamasit, the guy isn't going to lose out. At the end of the day, he wasn't getting anything now anyway. Right? So, as opposed to, the, the, right now we're telling him, wait till she gets divorced or dies, or the husband dies, which might be, he might be waiting 50 years. So the alternative is, okay, get paid now with the Ksuva rights, you know, and, and then you'll get some money in your pocket, or you'll get some value in your pocket right now. And if it turns out that something bad happens with that, that she's mostly whatever, you'll, then you'll get paid later. But there's a possibility you're getting paid right now. So isn't that better? So the Gemara says, no. So, so, no, no, no. Because we know, in that case also, she'll be mochel to her husband. And we're not going to make Basin have to go to this effort for naught. Okay? So, bottom line is, he's not going to get anything now. 
okay? And he'll, he'll get something that'll look like he's getting paid now, but we know she's going to be mofer. So what's the point? So let's just step back and say, what have we said? We're not going to make base and go through this go through this process if there's not going to really be any benefit. So what's the question? The point is like this. Why does this woman have no money to give the guy? Doesn't she have her nixemilo? And the answer is, no, she doesn't because, of her, well, this is a proof of condescension. You see, she can't transfer her nixemilo. So that's why she has no money to give the guy. So what does one minute? Even if she can't transfer title to any of this stuff, let her sell the Torah now. Let her sell the possibility of collecting it in the future. And the Gemara says, no, because since there's small halacha that she could be mohel, that would, that would, that would, we would be forcing a sale that would hurt the person who would purchase it. And even if she were to sell, give it, pay, use it to pay, the guy she injured, we would say, we know that that would become worthless. And since we know she would be mohel and would become worthless, there is no point of making her raise cash through selling this, because it's just going to hurt other people, okay? So she can't give actual title because of Tzkarasusha. She can't sell the right to it, because the person who gets that right is just going to be holding a, you know, a bag of goods, as we say. Like, you know, they're going to be holding something worthless, and we're not going to, and we're not going to do that. Okay, so now the Mark says like this. El Haditanya, that was she taught in the Brisa. Let's say she injured her husband, okay? She does not lose her ksufa. And here, actually, it says one minute. If she injured her husband, she should have to. She does a way she can pay her husband. Basically, sell her husband back her ksufa. So if the, you know, if all of this, this might be worth property worth $10,000, but if the market value based on the risk that it'll ever get paid out you know, become is three thousand dollars, and so let her say, and let's say her, she heard her husband, she owes her husband three thousand dollars. Let her basically say, fine, you'll never have to pay me my ksuva, and I'm paying you up your three thousand dollars that I owe you. That makes a lot of sense. Because what could she do? Mocha to her husband. That's what the effectively just did right now. She was mocha to her husband. She basically freed her husband from this debt. Okay, from this possible future payout by get, and that value paid up the value of the chavala. So why is it, why do we say that she doesn't have to do that? Why is that true? Let her sell it to her husband with the Tova Tanah, the current value of the Ksuba. Okay. Um, in, order for, in order to pay off the injury. The Imachla, and if she is Mochelet, I mean, what do you mean, Mochel? Now, that's going to pay out and collect his, his own payout. So, the Gabi Baal, he's not losing out, right? Because effectively, she was Mochel right now. She basically said, you know, forget about ever having to pay out the, 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 the Ksuba. That's, how much is that worth you? $3,000. Fine. Now, I've paid up your Ksuba, uh, your, your, the, uh, the injury. So, why not? So, listen, how Vade Rebbe Meiri? That is Rebbe Meiri. Amar Asu Adam Shishan Isha, Afilisha Lo Ksuba. No. That is Rebbe Meiri. Because if you sold your ksuba to somebody else, that Rebbe Nayer could live with. Because the husband would eventually have to pay out the money, whether to the wife or to somebody else. But if you're selling your ksuba back to your husband to pay money you owe your husband, then after that, okay, it's nice the husband got paid up, but now he's not out any money. Now he, there's nothing stopping him from divorcing his wife. So, so that you're not allowed to do. Because then you're going to have a situation where there's no ksuba to be paid off. So the Gemara says, one minute. Even if she wouldn't have done that, the husband wouldn't lose any money. The time of my, what's the reason that you're not allowed to have a marriage without a ksufa? Today she'll take kalabain of low tiyach and be too easy to divorce her. 
So, her, so let's say she didn't sell the ksuba back to her husband. She owes her husband $3,000. So he's also not going to hesitate to divorce her. Why not? Fine, I'll divorce my wife. Then she'll have the money to pay me back the injury that she owes me. So there's nothing stopping me from divorcing her because any money I pay, I'll just collect right back. So the merchant says, So, 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 the merchant says, So you have the same problem if she didn't sell it back to him. Once there's this debt that she owes him, there's nothing that's going to stop him from divorcing her because he'll divorce her and then take the money back. He also says, So the Gemara says, um, I guess the first one was, you know, here he can divorce her and he's not going to have to pay because the money's already been paid out for the injury. That's if she sold it back to him. So, it's, it's, so, so that, and therefore it won't stop him. So the Gemara says, So even if she didn't sell it back to him, let him, there's nothing to stop him from divorcing her. He'll divorce her, pay out the money, and then collect it back. So the merchant says, no. There's an obvious answer to this. Go, no, no, no. Again, here's the scenario I gave. The scenario I gave, the is worth $10,000. The injury was 3000 If she, but that's also the Tova Tanav, the is 3000 So if right now she says to her husband, right, I owe you 3000 forget it. You'll never have to pay me the Ksuba. We'll call it even. Then there's, then there's no loss for the husband to divorce his wife, right? Because he's now, he's now, now if he divorces her, it's going to be no money out of pocket. But let's say she didn't do that. She had an outstanding debt of 3000 What's going to stop him from divorcing his wife now? Because if he divorces his wife, how much is he going to have to pay her? 10000 right? So you see, so, so, so therefore, if she actually liquidates her tsuva, sells it right now with the tova tana, then, then he owes her nothing. And there's nothing going to stop her. But if, she owes him three thousand, and the ksuba is ten thousand. Then that'll stop him from divorcing her because he doesn't want to have to pay the difference. Mm-hmm. Is that clear? Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. So he might say like this: Ella, the um, The ksuba is more than the cost of the injury. Because of that little bit that he's going to get back to the injury, he's not going to want to have to pay out the full ksuba. So we don't force her. So if she injures her husband, we don't force her to sell her ksuva back to her husband. Because then she'll have no ksuva and there'll be nothing protecting her. And she'll have to sell it at less than the face value, right? Because it's not payable now. Rather, she owes the money, the ksuva still retains its face value, and then the husband is going to hesitate to divorce her because he's not going to want to pay the difference between the injury amount and the face value of the ksuba. Okay? So now the Gemara says, yes? Let's assume that the injury amount is less. less right. If the injury amount was more than the face value of the ksuba, maybe we would make her. Of course, then how would we let them remain married is not clear. Yeah. So, okay, so the Gemara says, Niksuba do Raisa. The Gemara says, one minute, I got a way to make this work, even in your scenario. If the Ksuba is worth more than the total, when Rav Meir says you cannot live without a Ksuba, the only amount Rav Meir is talking about that you absolutely, what halachically is absolutely required is, is this amount. The 200 amount of the Ksuba. There is no need for there to be a dowry, for there to be a tosefet. The minimum amount required to protect, to, to slow down the husband is the base 200. 
And that's so, only for a woman's never been married. Right, or, or one on before a woman's been married. So the mother says, I still don't get it. Why not force her to sell back to her husband the other parts of the ksuba? Okay? Keep the 200 that the husband owes her, so you're satisfying the halakhic requirement, but to pay off for the injury of the husband, sell back the other parts of the ksuba. So the mother says, the even if he's ksuba, so he ksuba the oraisa, if ksuba is more than the biblical amount, Keep the, the biblical part of it. Don't sell that back to the husband. The irach and the remainder, sell back to the husband for the amount of the injury. So the says, no, to those alone, fine, you're right. In that case, she would have to sell the rest back to her husband. But we're talking about a case where she only has a base ksuba of 200. And if she only has a base ksuba of 200, you can't force her to sell that back to the husband. You're not, not only you can't force her, you're not allowed to because she needs to retain her base ksuba. Um, now, what would be the case? Let's say the injury was four zuz. must have been a very minor injury. And in order to pay back the four zuz, she wouldn't lose 25. Now, what does 25 mean? Isn't it 100 or 200? So Rashi says it's 25, you know, zuz, 25 uh, sela, which is 100 zuz. There's like a four to one ratio. And we're talking about a ksuba on almana. Now, why are we talking about a ksuba of Ramana, not a ksuba of a basula of 200? Okay, I won't worry you about all the coinage here, okay? But anyway, the point is that we're, the ksuba is only 200, there's none of this extra stuff, and we don't make her give up, cut into, her, or give up, it's especially about cut into, cut into slash give up her full ksuba de oraisa, without we don't make her, again, we wouldn't allow her because she can't be with her husband without at least the base ksuba. Okay, and she just owes the money. Ella, one more case about this. Hadatadya, that was he taught in the Bryce. The same way I read this, like those, she cannot, she doesn't sell her ksuva to other people. She owes, injured somebody else. She doesn't sell her ksuva to pay this other person. She doesn't lose her ksuva to her husband, you know, if she, if she injured her husband. That's why he tells us read it. Okay, so we, similar thing that we saw. She doesn't sell her ksuva back to her husband. So the Bryce says, one minute. There are times that she would actually lose her ksuba. What is it? Like we said, if you have the, if the ksuba is more than the biblical amount, has these pieces to it, and she injured her husband, then she would have to sell that amount back to her husband in order to pay off the debt she owes her husband. So Amar Rabba said, fine, you're right. That is true. If there was more to the ksuba than the 200, and she injured her husband, she'd have to sell that amount back to her husband. But the end of this writer means something else. Um, the end is talking about a case of the ksuva of male sons. What is the ksuva of male sons? What that means is, is that the woman brings all this property into the marriage. If she dies first, her husband's going to inherit her. Okay? Then, where's that property going to go to? All of his children, which might not all be her children. Now, she doesn't want the property she brought in to stay with her children. So that's what Ksuvah Benin Dichrin is. Ksuvah Benin Dichrin is Benin Zechari. The woman says, if I die first, all the money I brought in in the Ksuvah, when you die, go to, your, go to my children, my male children. Not all of your children, all of, well, the male children we have together. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. This is what it means. Well, he see the 
I went ahead and I sold my ksuba to Charlie. Okay? Now, Charlie's only going to collect that ksuba if my husband dies first or I get divorced. Right? You with me, right? If I die first, okay, that's never any money I would have collected. So Charlie gets nothing. So my selling that ksuba to Charlie does not impact the fact that if I die first, the benin different part of my ksuba remains valid. Because Charlie's only rights to the ksuba were in cases where my husband divorced me or my husband died first, okay? So benin different obviously are not impacted when I sell my ksuba to Charlie. You understand? There are different scenarios. Charlie gets it when my husband dies first, benin different are when I die first, okay? So kishen jibokheres kivak lebala lo yisidok ksuba benin different, my timer, because I was just doing selling it because I was forced by money to sell to Charlie and did not mean that I was giving up the other rights of my ksuba. So, right, well, just because I sold it to Charlie because I need the cash doesn't mean because I was giving up the rights. I'm sorry, I skipped the line. I mean, just in my time, I'm sorry, I didn't skip the line. Because it doesn't mean just because I needed the cash that I was giving up the other rights of my ksuba that were not related to me selling it to Charlie. So, similarly, if a woman had to sell, not because of injury, for whatever reason, she sold her ksuba back to her husband, we'll ignore Rebbe Mayer's concerns for a moment, okay? She sold her ksuba back to her husband. What, when she was selling, here's an interesting question, when she was selling it back to her husband, so certainly she was telling her husband, you're not going to have to pay out if I die first or if you divorce me. Was she also forfeiting the, the rights that her male children would collect her portion if she died first. Do you understand the question? What is the husband buying back? Okay, it's a good question. A third party is only buying the cases of things that would happen if he died first. When the husband is buying it back, maybe he's buying back all of the rights. And maybe he's even buying back the indifferent. He says, no, he's not buying back the indifferent. Cosmo Kessler was about it. Lo, you see this too, been indifferent. He does not lose that. My time, she's just hard up for cash, and that means that she's willing to give up what she would have collected. All of this, in cases she would have collected it, she's willing to give that up. But it's the cases where he would have died first. But she's not willing to give up stuff that would have been, would really have been for her children. And that we don't assume that she's selling. Okay? So we'll end with that, and we'll wrap up tomorrow with, the discu- with finalizing the whole discussion of the Kanasu show.